really grateful for such good friends and such a good church family. And I'm looking forward to this new year, what God's going to do. You know, I never want to come to a place where we talk about the good old days. You know, I always want to think the best days of our lives and the best days of this church life is ahead of us. Amen? Amen. So, Father, we pray for that. We pray that you would enable us, uh, even today, to be able to receive from you, from your word, from the ministry of your Holy Spirit, what would enable us to really make this the best year of our lives thus far. Lord, we pray you would just give us the grace to understand and the grace to make any changes that you're leading us to make. So we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, every time you begin a new year, it is a great time to just to consider kind of how is, how is my life going? Are there any changes I need to make in my life in order to improve it? Now, especially for the Christian, we're not only talking about are there any, you know, changes I ought to make to improve my life here on earth, we ought to be thinking in terms of are there any changes I need to make in my life to improve my forever? Now, that may sound like a strange thing for you to hear, but I want to remind you that getting into heaven is the same for everyone. The way you get into heaven is you come to the realization you're a sinner separated from God and you turn to Jesus Christ, you repent of your sin, you turn from self, and you turn to Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. That's the only way to get into heaven. That's the same for everyone. But once you're in heaven, once you are at that place, heaven will not be the same for everyone. Forever will not be the same for everyone. Again, getting into heaven is the same for everyone, but heaven will not be the same for everyone. Now, what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is there's something called the judgment seat of Christ. Now, there's a teaching clearly in the Bible about the judgment seat of Christ that's hardly taught around the world in most churches. In fact, every time I go to another country and speak to pastors, one of the things I try to make sure I do is teach about the judgment seat of Christ because I'm just about you know, developed a confidence over time that most of them have never heard of it. And yet it's clearly in the Bible. Let's just see what it says in one passage here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says, For we must all, and he's talking to all Christians, he's talking to the Corinthian believers here, for we, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, we know nobody earns their way into heaven. We, we, it is by grace we are saved through faith. It is not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not a result of works that no one should boast. We know getting into heaven is not works. It's faith in Jesus. But here we, it, it, we see that as a believer, how we live out our Christian life, there will be a time where we each appear before Christ. And at that time, there will be, based on our faithfulness and our fruitfulness in this lifetime, there will be rewards handed out. And we know about a number of those rewards. The first one is a commendation. Well done, good and faithful servant. But also there are other rewards handed out for our faithfulness, rewards given to us. We're not sure how these rewards work in heaven, but we do know we're glad we have them when we get there. Also, we know that all the financial giving that we've done, 
in our Christian life will be given back to us with 10,000% interest. And again, we don't know how money works in heaven, but we do know we're going to be glad we have it when we get there. Also, we're told that, that we're going to, there's going to be uh, different levels of shining glory. Daniel chapter 12 talks about this based on our faithfulness to the Lord forever and ever. There's going to be crowns placed on heads. And you're thinking, why do I need a crown? Well, you're going to be glad you have it for no other reason but that we can lay it at his feet time and time again. But also there's going to be assignments given based on our faithfulness right now in this internship that we're in. People think this is life. This is like an internship. I mean, we're for the, for the next assignment coming in the kingdom to come based on our faithfulness right there. So you start adding all that up and you realize, wow, that's what a motivation for me to live out my Christian life with dedication and commitment. I mean, what a motivation for me willing to forego some things in this life in order to honor Christ. What a motivation in order for me to make sacrifices at different times for Christ. I mean, this is so motivating when we begin to understand this truth, this revelation about the judgment seat of Christ. Now, we, last week we started a series. Uh, it's kind of a boring title if you call it stewardship or, a, you know, or you call it managing your life for 2019, but I'd rather say something like, how about living every day with that day in mind? What about a series where we're going to take some major parts of our life and we're going to talk about how can I make some changes in that part of my life that will actually cause me to do well the judgment seat of Christ and cause me to reward, be rewarded forever and ever. Now, when you came in, hopefully you got a little card that says on it, you know, live this day with that day in mind. And I'm going to talk more about that in a moment, but I, I want, if you didn't get that card, make sure you get one on the way out because I want you to live with that card for a week. I want you to put it in your pocket. I want you to put it in your purse. And when you put it somewhere, you're going to just inadvertently feel it every, time, every day. Pull it out and go, oh, yes. And begin to just think, how can I live this day with that day, the judgment seat of Christ day in mind? Now, last week, Derek talked about the fact that most people do not make changes in their life unless they have a compelling reason to do so. And he talked about how for most people, the compelling reason to make a change in their life is pain. In other words, you know, you, you get such pain you're experiencing because of these bad choices, you're going to decide to make some good choices so you can avoid pain. And he's actually right about that. That is the reason most people make decisions and choices in their life you know, that, that normally they wouldn't make, they make them because of the compelling reason of pain. But, I want, but there's actually another reason that I want to make sure that you understand that is even more significant than that. In fact, I like to put it this way. There are two compelling reasons to make changes in your life. You know, and actually there's more, but I want to talk about two. One of them I, I call devastation. The other I call revelation. Those are the two compelling reasons reasons to make changes in your life. Devastation is when there's so much pain associated with the way you're living, you finally decide you're going to make a change. Now, revelation is when you finally get the revelation, the truth about what's coming, the judgment seat of Christ, and that revelation motivates you. It becomes a compelling reason to make changes in your life. And for those of you who say, well, I've never really heard much about the judgment seat of Christ. This isn't a message all about the judgment seat of Christ, but I do want to direct you to 
one, and we, we do this regularly, we talk about this. You can go to the website. In fact, if you just go to the sermon page, and there will be a, a button that's handy where you can just click on that button, gracearlington.com, sermon page, and you can go right to a message on the judgment seat of Christ, and you can learn more and more about it. I'm just alluding to it primarily today. But this series basically is a series about living each day of 2019 with that day in mind. With that day in mind. So we're talking about, okay, well, let's take some major parts of our lives and what kind of changes should I make in my life that would actually benefit me at the judgment seat of Christ? And we talked we talked last week about money. We're talking, we're gonna talk today about time. So how you use your money in order to do well at the judgment seat of Christ, how you use your time in order to do well at the judgment seat of Christ. How will you use your gifts? You all have gifts given to you by God. How will you use them in order to honor Christ in your life so you'll do well at the judgment seat of Christ? How are you going to use your energy uh, that you would do well at the judgment seat of Christ? Now, last week, Derek shared some very, I think, helpful thoughts on how to better manage your money. It's very good. But my experience is this. My experience is that one message will usually not cause someone to make life changes in how they spend money or how they save or how they give. In fact, my intent was that Derek would share this overview and would encourage us to make some changes. And he did a great job of doing that. And that you would be, but I, my, my hope is that you'd be motivated based on last week's message to realize that you need to take the next step in order to get your finances really under control in such a way that you'll be glad you did that. Uh, forever. And that's why we're offering this course called Financial Peace University. Now, our experience has been that if, if we can get people to take this course over this nine-week period where they're in this supportive and accountable kind of class setting with other people and they work through things and they have homework and they really, for nine weeks, do that, we've seen people actually have, you know, deal with tens of thousands of dollars of debt over these years and be able to finally be freed up to live the generous life's life that they want to live. And also begin to just make wise decisions in their giving and store treasures in heaven. We've seen it be so effective. That's why I'm, I'm so much a believer in this course. I've seen the results of it. I've seen life changes. And so if you haven't yet taken Financial Peace University, I would just urge you, take it. Even if, even if you think, you know, I've, you know I've, I've got this under control. Maybe you do, but I bet you it'll help you even do it better. And so let me urge you guys, if you haven't taken it, take this course. It starts uh, two weeks from today. And I just urge you guys to begin to, to do, you know, just get your finances in order so you can live the way you really have in your heart to live. Now, this morning what I'm going to do is I want to take the rest of the time to talk about, okay, now, how do we take our time now and manage our time in such a way that we'll do well the judgment seat of Christ? Now, Tracy actually spoke to the women yesterday about time. We didn't even know that she, she didn't know that I was speaking about this this week, and I didn't know she's speaking about that yesterday. And uh, she did a great job, I understand. So I thought about just giving her the time this morning to do it, but she declined. She would... <laughs> but our time, our time on earth is a gift from God that He's entrusted to each one of us to manage for His profit. You know, Jesus told parables to illustrate our responsibility to manage everything that God has entrusted to us. He teaches parables that what we've been entrusted with, we are to manage, and then we are going to give an account to God one day 
for what we did with what he gave us, and then we're going to be rewarded based on how, we, how well we did with what he gave us. In fact, there's one parable I want to highlight this morning. It's the parable of the minas in Luke 19. Basically, the parable goes like this. There's a businessman who entrusts wealth to the care of his servants while he goes on a trip. And when he returns, he's going to evaluate what each servant did with what he gave them. And those servants who actually gain him a profit, he rewards those servants in a very special way. Now, Jesus tells another parable similar to that, where people are given different amounts. You know, like, no one, we don't have the same gifts and we don't have the same opportunities and we don't have, you know, even the same literal amount of money. So that parable would apply to that which we're given different amounts of. But this parable here, in Luke 19, each servant is given the same amount, one mina. And so this is a parable about us each, you know, responding to God with what he's given us the same amount of and how responsible and faithful we were to handle that. What have we all been given the same amount of? Well, one thing for sure we've all been given the same amount of is time, 24 hours a day that we're supposed to use to the, for the profit of the master. Now, those who are careful to faithfully invest their lives with what the master has given them or us for his profit, then we will be rewarded when we stand one day before the master. Of course, and that will be at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, let me give you just uh, just to jump right into this parable in Luke 19, because I know many of you are familiar with it. But let's just look at one example of one of the servants who invested wisely what they were given, the mina they were given. Let's see what happens. Luke 19, verse 6, I mean 16, says, And the first appeared, saying, now this is appearing, this is really the judgment seat of Christ. Master, your mina has made ten minas more. So they really invested what they've been entrusted with, and they gave profit for the master. Verse 17 of Luke 19, And he said to him, Well done, good slave, because you've been faithful in a very little thing. Be in authority over ten cities. Now again, we don't know sure, for sure how all this works in the kingdom to come, but that's, that's, that sounds like a pretty big deal, wouldn't you think? I mean, you were faithful with this one little thing, this one money, and you got profit for the master. You're faithful with how you used your time and got him glory and honor. And now he says, because of that, you're over ten cities. So at the end of your life on earth and my life will be evaluated, will be rewarded according to how well we have handled the time that God has entrusted to us. Now, if we manage our time wisely with the profit of the master in mind, keep that always before you, then God rewards us in eternity. And so in this parable, Two of these rewards are actually mentioned. Now, all the rewards aren't mentioned, but two of them are in this parable. First, there's the commendation. Basically, good job, well done. Now, you might think, whoop-de-doo, a commendation. 
But I want you just to stop and think about that moment. I mean, think about the times where you received commendation from somebody you really highly respected and how much that meant to you. Somebody you really, really looked up to and they maybe even publicly commended you. How much that meant to you. Think about who we're talking about here. The one whose face shines like the sun. The one whose eyes are a flame of fire. The one who is infinite love. God in the flesh, Jesus, now glorified in all splendor and majesty. You're going to look into his face, see his lips move. He says your name and says, good job. I mean, that is going to be an awesome moment. Awesome moment. And then on top of that, he gives you a promotion. According to this parable, he says, okay, you've, been, you've done well with this. Now I'm promoting you. And now you're over all of this. Wow. I mean, what a moment that will be. You know, there's been a lot of football on the last couple of weeks. And, and, I just, and I was reminded of a, of a quote for several years ago by Coach uh, Lou Holtz before the Orange Bowl. You know what he told his team to motivate him? Just one sentence. He, kept, he said it real loud throughout the locker room and repeated it. 60 minutes to play and a lifetime to remember. 60 minutes to play, man, and a lifetime to remember. Well, think about this. You got 60 to 80 years maybe to live on earth and then forever to remember and to Enjoy the benefits of your faithfulness here and now. What a motivating thing. I mean, what a motivating thing. And by the way, one of the reasons why most Christians are so unmotivated is because they've never been taught this truth. It is key to living a motivated Christian life. How you use your time right here and now will matter forever. You know, the Bible is full of metaphors that really teach us of the brief, temporary, transient nature of life on earth. I mean, life is described as a mist, a breath, a wisp of smoke, a transient shadow. I mean, over and over again, the Bible compares life to like you're temporarily living like in a foreign country. It's not really our home. Our home is heaven. We're here on assignment, a temporary assignment. We're just passing through. The Bible's constantly reiterating. We're almost like just visitors here. Words are used to describe us like alien, pilgrim, foreigner, stranger, visitor, traveler. All that, those words are used to describe our time here and now. And that's all to help fortify that this is just a very brief temporary assignment. And if we, if we get that, then that'll radically cause us to have different values. And we'll begin to live with this eternal perspective in, in all the decisions and choices that we make. By the way, in God's eyes, the greatest heroes of faith, just read through Hebrews 11 again, are not those who achieved, you know, prosperity, success, and power in this life. But the greatest heroes who've ever walked the earth are those who really understood that they were on a temporary assignment and they were living for another place, another time. Let's just look at that again. Hebrews 11, verse 13, talking about those kind of people, those heroes. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance. 
And having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Let's jump to verse 16. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So again, we're on a temporary assignment, and it will matter forever. It's going to matter forever how we use the time that God gives us. How you use the rest of this day, the rest of this week, the rest of this month, the rest of this year will matter forever. And the truth is, there are so many of us that we know there's, even in our minds right now, that we know there's some changes we need to make, and we just won't do it so far. You know, one of the biblical definitions for a fool is one who knows what they ought to do and just won't do it. Someone who knows, you know, what would, what would be good for them? What would make them happier? What would make them healthier? What would store up treasures in heaven? They know all that and they still don't do it. The Bible calls that person a fool. And so my, what I'm urging you is don't be a fool in 2019. We're going to look at some things that really can really drastically change uh, your forever, but you're going to have to make some deliberate choices in order to do these things. You know, neglect, neglect and procrastination are never a part of a success story. Have you noticed that? You never finally, you know, look at someone who has a life you wish you had and think they got that through neglect and procrastination. <laughs> Maybe I should try that. So what will you do with your time this year? That's the question. What will you do with your time? Now, again, another familiar passage I just want to touch on. Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul, who's writing on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is giving us some very helpful guidance in regard to how we should live. Let's just look at Ephesians 5.15. It says, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. Now, he just got done talking earlier in, this, in, this, in the book of Ephesians about walking as children of light. He says, be careful to walk as children of light so you do not stumble in the dark. Stumble in the dark and end up in some sort of ditch. So be careful how you walk. He's talking about how you live. Be wise. Again, the definition of a fool, someone who knows what they should do and doesn't do it. Knows what's good for them now and forever, but they won't do it. So again, be wise. Paul's saying, don't be a fool. Be careful. If you aren't careful, you won't make wise decisions, so be careful, be wise. Now, here's a simple truth, and I want you to put this slide up here on the, on the screen. There are certain simple actions that if we will do them consistently and stick with them over time, they will produce valuable results in our lives. Say it again. There are certain simple actions that if we will do them consistently and stick with them, over time, they'll produce valuable results in our lives, here, now, and forever. All right? Some of them are just temporary, but some of those results will be eternal. So there are certain activities. If I'll give those activities some time, and I'll be consistent with that activity, it'll have a payoff over time. A lot of times, we some obvious ones for the temporary payoff are like exercise, a study, Time with your spouse, time with your kids, time with God, obviously. 
We've already talked about financing, budgeting, saving, giving, dieting, regularly attending church services, you know, G-Hop, Grace House of Prayer Times, life group meetings. So all those kinds of things, those are, there's just certain simple practices. If I just say, I'm going to get that on my calendar, I'm going to do it, I'm going to stick with it. If we will do that, over time, they will produce a great benefit to us. And many of these will produce eternal benefits for us if we will stick with it. Now, why is it that so many won't stick with it? And by what, so today is January 13th, and I, I'm, I don't know what the statistic is, but I bet half the New Year's resolutions in the country have already, they've already given up on them. You know, so what is it, why is it that most people don't stick with some simple choices they know would, would benefit them? Well, I believe the reason so many tend to ignore, uh, that, that basically give up on it, is because they don't notice any real results after they do it once. We laugh about that, but this is true. Okay, so you go and exercise one time, you go look in the mirror and go, that didn't work. Or you diet one meal and you go look in the mirror. Well, that didn't help. So since doing it just once or a few times, you don't notice any real big change. You think, obviously this doesn't have any benefit, so you quit. Now, another reason why so many ignore this truth is because missing a single installment doesn't seem to cause much consequence or damage either. In other words, you miss one exercise day and you go, that didn't, that didn't hurt me much. Or you miss you know, one you know, dieting day, that didn't bother me much. And you think, so these installments aren't going to really work because I'm not seeing much change. And so many people that actually take that into their spiritual life too. They go into their spiritual life and they think, you know, if I just you know, come to church one time, I don't see a lot of change. And so I'm not going to come at all. Or if I just missed, you know, that, you know, life group one time, it didn't really impact me much, so why go at all? Or I just missed my quiet time, my devotional time with God one morning, didn't notice much difference. And so they think, well, you know, maybe there's not, maybe there's not that much benefit in doing this on a regular basis. I'm not seeing a lot of change here, and I don't see a lot of detriment when I miss one. Let me give you the flip side of this truth. Oh, here's the flip side. I put this slide up there. There are certain simple actions that if you neglect doing them consistently and sticking with them, you'll suffer for that neglect in the long run. Again, there are certain simple actions. If you neglect doing them consistently and sticking with them, then you will suffer for that neglect in the long run. For example, let's say you neglect your health for 20 years and you're going to pay for it in the long run. It's like you neglect saving money, you know, your whole adult life, and then you're finally old and wish you had it. You're going to neglect. You're going to suffer for that. Let's say you neglect studying, getting good grades, and then all of a sudden you suffer that you can't get into the college that you wanted to get into. Or you neglect your spiritual disciplines of prayer and Bible study and fellowship, and all of a sudden you backslide, and now you're walking in anxiety and frustration and loneliness and sin, all kinds of things. Or you neglect your relationship with your kids when they're young and now they're teenagers and you got your hands full. full. Or you neglect your relationship with your spouse and you pay for it later maybe in a divorce or an affair. 
So there's a huge price to pay for neglecting some simple actions and sticking with them. There's a price to pay if you don't stick with these simple actions over a long period of time. Some of you are thinking, I know, but it's hard. It's hard to stick with those simple discipline actions every day. And I'd say, you know what? The price you pay for sticking with those simple habits over time is much less than the price you will pay at the end when the catastrophe happens because you didn't do them. So think about that. Not spending time with your kids when they're small and all of a sudden they're teenagers and you, and you just you have a catastrophe. Or not consistently exercising and eating right and taking care of your health and now you've gotten older and you've got a catastrophe with your, with your health. Or years of neglect with your spouse and now there's a catastrophe of a divorce or an affair. Or not consistently saving money and now you've got the catastrophe of you're older and you've got to move back in with your kids. See, the price you pay for sticking to those simple habits over time is much less than the price you'll pay at the end for that neglect. So again, so be wise. Do the things you know you need to do. Now back to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, 16 says, Making the most of your time because the days are evil. Now literally it says redeeming your time. That's the literal translation of that Greek word, redeeming your time. And it actually is a marketplace word. Marketplace term. The idea is, of course, in a marketplace, you would trade in your cash in a marketplace for something of equal value, right? You trade in your money when you go to the market for something of equal value. Well, that word is being used now of time. Make sure you trade in your time with something of equal value, something worth your time, something of value for your time. That's the whole idea here. So why is it important? that we do that. Why is it important that we're careful how we spend our time? Well, the passage goes on to give us three reasons why we should be careful what we do with our time. First of all, the first reason why we should be careful how we spend our time is real simple, because there's a limited amount of it. Just like you're careful how you spend your money. Why? Because there's a limited amount of it. So be careful how you spend your time because you only have a limited amount of it. In fact, there, the Bible tells us over and over again how little how much, how little time we have. In fact, there's 11 metaphors I tracked down one time of, of the brevity of life, of how brief our life is. And I just want to walk them through real quick with you. They're all in one slide. Again, Job 20, verse 8, it's a dream that flies away. You know how you just have a dream, wake up next day, and you can't remember it? That's how your life will be, just that quick. Or it's a, in 1 Chronicles 29, 15, it's a shadow that disappears as the sun moves that quick. It's a cloud that vanishes. You're looking at the cloud and you know, you look up again and the cloud just evaporated. It's gone. It's a flower that dies in Job 14. It's a grass that withers in 1 Peter 1. It's a vapor that vanishes in James 4. It's a mere breath. You know the morning when you see your breath sometimes when it gets cold and then it's gone? How fast your life goes. It's as nothing, Psalm 39, 5. It's as a phantom Psalm 39, verse 6, it says a sigh. Oh, there it is, that's your whole life. It's as the wind that passes, Psalm 78. Other words, over and over again, the Bible's teaching your life is so brief. It goes by so fast. That's why Psalm 90, verse 12 says, teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. 
teach us to live as if our days are numbered. Why? Because they are. They're numbered, and that number is not very big. Our days are numbered, and it isn't very, it isn't very big. It's not a very large number. So be careful how you spend your time because you don't have very much of it. So be careful how you spend it. But then there's a second reason we've already talked about. I just want to again affirm this. This is, I think, the, the number one motivation that we're actually given uh, for how we spend our time. And that is because it will matter forever how you spend it right now. Again, you're going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And it's going to be a real day. It's not going to be an imaginary day. It's not going to be a day where you're just kind of like a, you know, kind of a floating amoeba bouncing off of things. You're going to be really there. It's you. You're facing Christ. It's going to be a real day. It's a real day, the judgment seat of Christ. And, and, and how we spend our time is going to matter forever. Eternal rewards, treasures, crowns, assignments, all these things are going to be determined how we use our time. So don't squander. Don't waste it. And don't misuse it. Make sure you spend your time, live this day with that day in mind. So the wise person lives with eternity in mind. They're thinking about the future and how it's going to turn out for them. All right, so the second reason is be careful how you spend your time. Be wise with it because it's going to matter forever. And there's one more reason, a third reason. Third reason that we see in this Ephesians passage, <clears throat> excuse me, if we aren't careful in the use of our time, by using it for what matters to God, we're likely going to waste it or even misuse it. Ephesians 5.16 talks about making the most of your time because the days are evil. The days are evil. There is a great pressure against all of us. We have a pressure against us using our time wisely. There is a pressure. Our culture in our world is pressuring against us using our time wisely. That means we're going to have to be deliberate to go against that kind of pressure. We're going to have to be very deliberate and disciplined to go against that flow. It's kind of like if you've ever been in a canoe on a river, that you will be taken with the current unless you paddle. If you, if you don't paddle, you will be taken downstream. Well, there is a flow in our culture that works against us being wise with our time. Just understand that. It happens. It's happening every minute of every day. It is working against us. The days are evil. There is that pressure against us. So the gravitational force of sin is a reason why so many procrastinate. That's why. It's a reason why so many undermine their own future and their own happiness. I mean, you say, I know I ought to do such and such, but I don't. Why don't I? Because the days are evil and I'm not fighting against that pressure. Why would I hurt myself? Why would I waste my time? Why would I neglect what is good for me? Why would I do that? Because the days are evil. And if I don't get a hold of it, if I don't take charge of it, if I'm not deliberate about it and disciplined, I will be swept into the culture. Again, we live in a fallen, sin-sick world that is pressuring us to waste our time and pressuring us to misuse our time. So we're going to have to go against that pressure if you're going to live wise. 
Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, let's read the whole passage. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So, so then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Let me tell you what God's will for your life is. It's that thing that came to, has already come to mind during this message. And you thought, I need to do this. I need to do that. God spoke to you today. You're thinking, now that was just my conscience. Yes, that's God's megaphone. Is your conscience. But God spoke to you today. Some of you are thinking, you know, I just really need to take better care of my health, my body. Some of you think I need to get my spiritual disciplines in order. Some of you think I need to spend more time with my family. Some of you are thinking I need to get on a budget. I need to take financial peace. Some of you are thinking, whatever it is, you're thinking these things are happening because God is speaking to you. God is speaking to you. So the question is, what are you going to do with what God is telling you? What are you going to do with it? If you aren't deliberate about it, <clears throat> it won't happen. Life is such that something else will come along and fill that time. Guaranteed. If we're not careful <clears throat> to redeem our time, to be deliberate about our schedules, what we do with our time, then the things that matter most will not be part of our lives. They will not just happen. So life is such that something else, much less noble, will come along and fill your time. Guaranteed. Because the days are evil. There's that pressure. So in this brief life that we each have, because before you know it, your life is going to be over. In this brief life we have, will you live wisely or not? That's the question. What choices will you make? Because your life's going to come and go, and you're either going to have lived wisely or not. Just understand, there is a drift away from what is best. And you're going to have to fight that drift if you're going to live a life of wisely using your time for the profit of the master. So what will you do? What will you do with 2019? I just want you to think through different parts. Think about physical. What are you going to do to take care of this body God gave you, this temple of the Holy Spirit God gave you? Are you going to take care of it? What are you going to do physically? Are you going to take care of your body? Are you going to eat right, sleep right, exercise, stop unhealthy habits like smoking, drinking too much, do drugs occasionally on the side? What are you going to do? What choices will you make? What about emotionally? Are you going to really take care of yourself emotionally? Are you going to make sure you've got the time off you need to take off so you can reset your whole adrenal system? You're going to take that sabbatic pattern one day off a week to rest and honor God? And Are you going to Get the sleep you need. Are you going to spend time with friends emotionally to fill your tank and, and friend, family? Are you going to spend time laughing? All these things, you can take care of yourself emotionally. What about financially? Are you going to take Financial Peace University? So I could say, are you going to avoid future debt, get on a budget, give regularly, save regularly? But I know most people aren't going to do that if they don't, if they don't take this course because they won't really order their life and stay with those disciplines if they don't. Again, there are certain simple actions that if we'll do them consistently and stick with them over time, they'll produce valuable results in our lives. Now, most important, spiritually. What are you going to do spiritually 
2019. Are you going to take care of your spiritual life? Are you going to walk with God? Are you going to have a devotional life? Are you going to have a prayer life? Are you going to be in the Word? Are you going to be part of the Grace House of Prayer given one hour a week? Are you going to be in a life group, you know, one evening or uh, a week? Are you going to be showing up at church? And those of you that are online watching, I'm glad you're tuned in. But I'm telling you, and, and, you know, on a regular basis, this is, not, this is not a healthy situation just to tune in online. I encourage you, be part of people that you're touching in, 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 in eyeball to eyeball with. I encourage you. You know, from time to time, I understand it, but don't make this your regular church life if you're online watching right now. Come join us. We all need this. And I encourage all of you. You know, I remember there was a time, you know, decades ago where it was just common, common practice that it was disciplined that you were a believer, you attended church every Sunday. And now it's like, you know, may or may not, you know, once or twice a month. You know, really make, this, make the discipline say, you know, I'm going to give the Lord this day. I'm going to give it to the Lord. You know, Galatians chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. Let's just look at this and we'll close. Galatians 5, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh shall from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit shall from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now, most of us aren't farmers, so we don't understand a lot about sowing and reaping. But if a farmer, he would plow his field, he would sow seed, he would plant seed. He'd go into his house, next day he looks out the window, what does he see? He doesn't see a crop yet, but he knows. He knows if he stays, you know, doing the faithful things he needs to do to take care of that field, that seed will grow, a crop will come, and it does. He sows into it, and it reaps the benefit of a harvest. Well, that's, that's the metaphor, but he says those who sow to the flesh will reap from the flesh corruption. So you got a guy <coughs> that's, uh, you know, he's tuned in on, his, on the internet. <coughs> he's bored. He looks at a little pornography. Ah, he closes his computer. I didn't, I didn't do anything to me. Oh, yeah, I did. You just put something in there. You just sowed a seed that is corrupting you. Then he said, but the one who sows to the Spirit shall from the Spirit reap eternal life. So now you sow to the Spirit. you got your disciplines of prayer and Bible study and fellowship and worship, and you're doing all these things. And as you're doing that, you're sowing seed into your life. And what are you reaping? You're reaping eternal life. Now, eternal life is not just something you get after you die. We are, we are experiencing eternal life in some measure right now, a taste of it. We don't have the fullness of joy yet, but we have some joy right now. We taste it right now. We don't have the fullness of peace that's coming, but we taste the peace right now. So all these things that we're going to get in fullness right now, we taste them because we already experienced eternal life. And every time I sow to the Spirit, I am reaping eternal life. I am reaping it in my life. So again, there are certain simple actions that if I do them consistently and stick with them over a long period of time, they'll produce viable results in my life. So what we do in 2019, my challenge to you is don't be a fool. Be wise. Redeem the time. The bad news is that time flies. The good news is you're the pilot. So how will you pilot your time this year? It matters. It'll matter for you for the rest of whatever days you have on this planet, but it also is going to matter for you forever.
So again, if you got one of these cards when you came in, if you didn't get one on the way out, it says, live this day with that day in mind. I'm just asking you guys <clears throat> to live with this card for a week. You just put it in your pocket, and every time you reach for a coin or your card keys, you pull it out and go, it's Monday. I'm going to live Monday with that day in mind. Tuesday, you reach in there, that's Tuesday. I'm going to live Tuesday with that day in mind. And begin to do the deliberate kind of decisions you need to make with your time in order to store up treasures that are going to last forever and ever and ever. Amen? Yes. Let's stand for prayer. I'll close this for prayer, but those of you that need prayer about a specific item, we'll have some leader couples down front to pray for you. Also, if you have any questions for our staff, we have Connection Coffee in the Corner. We'd love to answer those. This is your first Sunday here. I'd love to meet you. We're going to be down front here at this welcome area. But let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for another year to live, another day to live. And our prayer is, Lord, that we would live as wise men and women, making the most of our time, redeeming our time, doing things of value with our time. So I pray even today you would just put in all of our hearts the change that we need to make. We ask for the grace to make those changes. So we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. You're dismissed. Let me encourage you, before you actually leave the property, make sure you make a friend here. God bless you. Have a great day, great week.